how can you start to recognize and appreciate your body? Because your body embodies your story. It's a part of you. It is you. And that's why you have to love it even if you don't always like it. So we have to get beyond these superficial layers and start to create some kind of body awareness that learns and understands how to regulate our dysregulation. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to the podcast. My name's Alexa, and as always, this is a place where I believe you were made for living well. Like you have the tools that you need, it's learning how to live that out. Now, this is the very first podcast in the summer series called How You Heal. And I have been looking forward to this podcast series for a really long time. I've just never put the pieces together in this eight-part series like I have now, and I think it's the perfect time. Honestly, I know you're busy in summer, but I also feel like there's this space and this energy that you can actually start to do some of this work to dive in. And so over the course of the next eight weeks, I'm going to give you one podcast that's going to help create a pathway, which for whatever reason feels so much better than the word system, a pathway to help you reconnect this mind-body connection and create harmony within it so that you can heal. I know we want the tools for this external appearance of like, how do I lose weight and how do I do all those things? Which I actually just wrote a blog post over at The Living Well on how to lose weight or summer weight loss, specifically summer weight loss. So go check that out. But this podcast series is based more on this internal focus, which is really going to create health long-term. But the key to all things in health, like I've always told you, it's not a destination, but it's an action. And I want this to be the place where I can give you tools that you can use in your everyday life forever to create healing. When I didn't know when I started the healing process and before I actually had to start the journey was my whole life was spent trying to prevent the crash. And while I think that there is something to preventing the health crash or the crisis or the sickness and the disease and the injury, what I think is more realistic is just understanding the daily tools that you need to heal. Like healing is a part of our every day. And in the process of healing our body, we actually prevent the thing that we've worked so hard to stay away from. It's the backwards law again that says it's not trying to prevent your need for healing, but it's recognizing that healing is the way to prevent the disease, illness, and injury that you have feared you'd have to heal from. Anyways, enough with that. But this podcast series, I want to walk you through stages of healing. And in the very first podcast on today, we're going to talk about the internal need and drive for healing and also start to link how your mind and body are working together. And speaking of your mind, I feel like we all kind of suffer in this category, right? Like mental overwhelm, brain fog. We're really a people who want to feel better, but we don't know how. And so we turn to caffeine and just pushing through. But I want to tell you, pushing through is not necessarily the answer. I think we spend a lot of time masking our brain and our mindset problems Yes, we want to heal them, but just to get through the day, we're doing things like guzzling endless caffeine. 
Now, I found this product that has really helped me with brain focus and productivity, and it's not a massive stimulant because I am incredibly sensitive to to too much stimulation. I tend to fall into the jittery, overwhelmed, creates more ADHD within my mind, and it really has the opposite effect. A little bit goes a long ways in my life. Now, there's other people like my husband who could guzzle caffeine and really never feel the effects of it. I think probably the majority of people fall here unless you have that murther mutation like I do. But even if you can't feel the overconsumption of caffeine, it really can create a dysregulation in your mind patterns. Now, the product that I found is actually called Magic Mind, and it is full of adaptogens and nootrophics, which are natural products that help to regulate, to energize your brain in the natural way, not the synthetic forms of energy that we talk about that, like sugar, create this high and then this crash. But nootrophics and adaptogens, like what's inside the Magic Mind product, that have massive benefit even outside brain health, things like matcha, ashwagandha, and lion's mane. I mean, so many health benefits are inside this one shot that you take whenever you need a boost in productivity. We're gonna talk more about it later on in the show because it really has made a big difference in my own life. But for now, I just wanna tell you, you can learn more over at magicminds.com check out the products. And if you want to try it out, you can use my link magicminds.com backslash living well to get 50% off your subscription for the next 10 days using my code livingwell20. I'm so grateful that they are a sponsor on this summer's podcast series, which I want to dive right into. Today, we're talking about how do we heal? Now, this is the first lesson in this eight-part series that really walks you through the process of healing. Of course, there's not one specific way that it takes to heal. And I was talking about my husband with this because I think we all want that system. We all want like that perfect idea of if I follow this plan, then everything is going to work itself out. But what we fail to understand is that we're always kind of going to be in the process of healing. Yes, in some aspects, we can be healed, but I think life always has a way of pulling us out of balance or creating some form of dysregulation that more often than not, we really just need to learn the tools and understand what it takes to heal so that we can continuously repeat that process when we get dysregulated. And today we're going to talk about the dysregulation process of the body and why we tend to disassociate with ourselves, looking for health in all these external things while simultaneously failing to see who you actually are. And we're really going to get dig into this mind-body connection based on the energetic emotional frequency that is storing things inside your body and how your body has to be a part of the process if you really want to heal. Now, I know I'm a nutritionist and I've studied nutrition, but the more that I studied nutrition, the more I realized everything in the nutrition space should be easy. Like we shouldn't have an entire field dedicated to helping people lose weight based on what they eat, but we do. Why? Because it seems logical. It seems like if I have a weight problem, obviously it's associated with what I eat. 
The problem with that is, and what I learned in my own story, I was doing all of the right things and I still lost my health. Now, of course, there's an energetic level to this. And honestly, all the lessons we talk about, there's a focus on the imbalance of energy. Maybe gonna say it in a little bit different way, but it is this imbalance in life. And yes, food can be a part of that, but it's only one piece of the puzzle of health. And when I started my healing journey, I recognized there was something so much deeper involved, something that really did have the power to change so much because it changed what my body did with what I ate and the way I moved and who I interacted with. And really, that's what health is. It's what is your body doing with what you provide? We can get so lost in what we provide that we neglect the fact that really it's always an outcome of what your body chooses to do. And we don't necessarily have control over that, but we can learn to support it, which shifts what it does. So in a way, yes, we do have more control than we realize, but at the end of the day, it's up to your body. And the best way to achieve health is to learn how to support it. Now, in this mind-body connection, I really want us to understand this in a new way, to see that health is so much more than just what we do. It's so much more than this external approach to life that we've been trying to live. And in fact, that really doesn't work. Healing happens from the inside out, not the outside in. Although it would be easy, right, to just stay on the outside, again, expecting a system to work. And while I laid out this eight-part series in a specific order, that I think is a pretty good foundation, I want you to know that there's no right or wrong way to truly heal. The only right way, though, is if you take action towards it. If you do something to start shifting the story, to start shifting what you do, and you become an active participant in your own healing. And so I just want this to be encouraging to you. I want this to be supportive of you. And as I was talking about my husband, the last thing that I want from this series is that it causes a re-traumatization of what you've been through. Because trauma is actually a really big player in how our body responds. And again, how our body responds creates the outcome that we experience. So we can't neglect the underlying issues of the story that we believed and the trauma that we've experienced and the story that's been created out of that trauma because it's there that we're going to learn how our body's responding. And it's also there that we can start to shift the story to create this sense of freedom or what I call the freedom story to help you fill your life with truth and live that out. And that's what we need more of. And as I was putting this together, again, my intent was never to re-traumatize you. So while we're going to talk about trauma, and while we're going to talk about the starting place of living aware of that trauma, What I fear is, is that people tend to open up to the trauma. They tend to start looking at it, but they fail to follow through with actually moving through that and rewriting the new story. And I say that because I was kind of going through some past classes that I've done and some past classes that my husband did. And and I noticed in some of the books that we had neglected the last few lessons, right? Like we had opened up the door to the trauma. We've opened up the door to the pain and the story that we had believed. And we started to understand that that story maybe wasn't true, but we failed to finish through and follow through with creating a new vision. And we hear about the vision a lot and it seems super relevant and cheesy and like, yeah, I've tried that a million times. 
But again, we can't change the vision without understanding our current story. And there's a whole middle part that we have to nail down to move into the new vision. But I say all of that to encourage you, don't quit and shut the door when things get hard. Because we are going to go to the deep places. We're going to talk about reparenting yourself and ending loops and creating new loops and all kinds of different things inside this podcast series. We're even going to talk about your energy field, becoming anti-fragile, the affect theory, so many things, so many great, great things to know. But I can't have you closing the door if it starts to rub on you the wrong way. And I know everyone gives these disclaimers of like, I don't want this to be triggering to you. But again, if it is triggering to you, it goes to show that that is an issue that needs to be addressed. If you're feeling triggered by anything in life, your body is creating a reaction based on that. Most likely, it's creating a reaction in the negative direction or in a way that doesn't align with the vision of where you want to go. It does so to protect you, and it's very powerful at doing that. It's definitely a path that needs to be respected. But as long as we avoid what triggers us, we'll never fully heal from them to move forward through them and to be freed of it. And that's really what I want from this series. Now, I'm going to relate this back more so to the health image, but these principles and practices can really be applied to all healing in your life because it's all the same. No matter if you're dealing with weight struggles or emotional eating or binge eating or some kind of eating disorder or whether you're dealing with sexual trauma or infidelity or or, uh, narcissism, whatever it is, the story may differ, but often the pathway is very similar. And as a disclaimer, I would say that as you open the door to some of this, it is good to note that Talking about it can be really beneficial. Writing about it can be extremely helpful and getting it out of your head and out of your body and onto something else can be really good at helping you sort through the story to understand it in a new way. So if you are feeling triggered, if you're feeling overwhelmed by any way, I do encourage you to look into some forms of therapy. We've talked a lot about that on this podcast, whether it's talk therapy or somatic therapy or a brain spotting, so many different forms that can be really beneficial in helping you move forward. So please, by all means, understand this, open up to this information to see it in a new way, and then do something with it. That's really where the power comes from. Now, today we're talking about how do we heal? And on a foundational level, we've been talking about this in a lot of ways over the last few months specifically when we talk about the layers of success and living disciplined. And really, all of that comes back to this intimate and direct line of communication that's happening between your mind, your body, and your soul. And being in the health space for a number of years, what I've recognized is is that we are really quick to separate our body from our mind and our mind from our soul and our soul from all three Because I think in our minds, we've made that feel less complicated. Like seeing them all together just feels like I don't understand it. I don't get it. So let's just separate out each, allowing me to control them. And generally speaking, it is good to zoom in on some things to really take a look at the specifics. But what I want you to know is that they're all working together. So while you may be working with the body, 
If you have no understanding of how that's affecting your mind, you're really doing a disservice, causing more dysregulation in the whole of your system, creating more patterns of unhealth. And this is what I found myself doing, right? When I was living in all of the right things, I was eating the perfect diet and I was working out multiple times a day. I was doing the things that I was told was the healthiest for my body. And sure, it was maintaining a state that I approved of, right? An external shell that I liked. But what I didn't understand was how that malnutrition was causing my brain to downregulate, was causing my body to shift into a, a state of survival that was shifting my ability to maintain that for any length of time until eventually, it took years, but eventually my body gave in and it kind of fell into this pattern of unhealth. And honestly, I, I link it back to saying I never understood how my body and the health of my body was affecting the health of my mind and the health of my mind affecting the health of my soul and all three working together and this intimate connection that really creates the wholeness, the vitality, the wellness that we're all seeking. It's the balance of all three or the regulation throughout that's going to create the outcome that you're looking for. So in this series, I'm going to try to pull it all together to help you recognize that the body is not acting alone, the mind is not acting alone, nor is the soul. They're all working together to create that wholeness, to be you. And it's the embodiment of that that allows you to truly live the life that you've been looking for and chasing down and all of the perfect outcomes that you think this diet might give you. So we really have to come back and recognize All three are always working together. And the key with wholeness is to create some form of regulation within each. It's recognizing how the body can impact the mind and your mind can impact your body. We can't neglect one or the other because they're both working together. Now, I think one of the reasons why we separate out our mind from our body is because it prevents us from feeling the things that we need to feel to fully heal. So if we want to talk about how to heal, how to heal really means a self-awareness and a sitting in all the emotions that you're experiencing. And you probably want to shut the podcast off here because no one wants to talk about emotions. We like to avoid them, escape them, try to create the best form of emotions, chase down things, and by all means prevent pain because everyone hates pain. But preventing emotions, shoving them, uh, running from them, trying to manipulate them, honestly does nothing but cause more dysregulation. It causes more imbalance, which only leads you to circulate back to the negative emotion that you've been trying to avoid more often than not. And there's a great quote that says, if you don't transform your pain through your grief, you'll continuously transmit it. Which is essentially saying that if you don't learn how to sit in your emotions and transform those emotions, they will continuously live out you. It's the idea that when you get comfortable with sitting in all emotions, you create more control over your emotions and instead of letting them control you. The avoidance of emotions always means they'll come back to control you. 
Now, throughout life, we have all kinds of emotions, and these emotions are having a biological impact because essentially saying an emotion is a molecule of energy. It's energy in motion. And energy in motion obviously is circulating through your body, and it's shifting how your body responds. Now, when we are left in our unfiltered, pure form, we have so many positive emotions, so much energy, that truly we can go an abundantly long time without needing to refuel ourselves. I like to think about young children who haven't experienced quote unquote trauma before. They're kind of living their pure, wholesome selves. And you might think they really don't eat that much, especially nothing I cook. And they have all the energy in the world. They're truly living out this abundant energy. Now, what happens to adults and humans throughout the span of life is we often or always experience some level of trauma. Now, we have to bring trauma into the picture because everyone at some point has experienced a level of trauma, which is technically a heightened state or a state when you felt really unsafe, and that trauma shifted your story. Now, we have to bring this into the picture because trauma is responsible for creating a story that alters your perception of what's safe and unsafe. And from there, based on neuroception, your brain starts to shift the way that it sees the world and perceives the world, which is going to shift your biology. We're gonna get into more of this in a second. But again, going back to trauma is like, we all have trauma. Trauma is inescapable and it's a part of life. And unfortunately, it also becomes a part of our story or perhaps it was part of our family of origin of a story that's been passed down culturally or racially that has created a story that has withstood generations from generations. And it's inside that story that it becomes our filter for how we perceive life. How you perceive life changes what your body does with the things you provide, and it also changes the thoughts that are produced. So you can start to see how this story begins to shape our biology, and it changes the influx of information, filtering it through what you perceive as a threat or as a level of safety. Now, the byproduct of trauma is having uncontrolled cascade of strong emotions and physical sensations. It's trauma that often leads us to engage in activities that we hate. Sometimes that's medicating ourselves through them, trying to numb them out, or it's eating them, or it's thinking negatively. Really, it's trauma that creates these stuck patterns leading to dysregulation, that leaves us living in the mercy of our own thoughts, memories, sensations, and emotions. Uh, Essentially, when we have undealt with trauma, it controls us rather than learning how we can control our life based on changing the story that was built inside the trauma. And honestly, this is why I believe some people are literally carrying around physical weight because they're carrying the weight of the world, like the emotional weight of the world or of their family system on their shoulders. And regardless of how much they've eaten or what they do to move their bodies, they have physical pounds because they are carrying that around. 
They're carrying the pain of that around. They're carrying what's dead and lugging it around with life because no one has truly taught them how to change the story, to create a freedom story, shifting their entire biology and outlook. That really allows you to come back and embody who you are. And this is what I want to help you do in this podcast series. In fact, this is what gets me up at night and keeps me coming back. If I can help you change the story, it will change the entire outlook of how you live your life and experience life. And can you imagine if you could get unstuck of all this baggage that's holding you back? I mean, sure, life will always hand you more baggage. But if you learn how to deal with trauma, to deal with emotions rather than store them, it's going to completely transform your life, including how your biology responds, which is going to change the outcome that you experience, how you interact and connect with other people, and live life and experience that life. Unfortunately, for so many people, trauma just keeps us stuck in our own sense of scarcity, leaving us storing, hoarding, and conserving as much of anything that we can get our hands on while neglecting us from experiencing the fullness of life. And this was my story. Like, I didn't understand that in my drive to change the outcome, I was neglecting the internal part of who I was. In fact, like so many, I believe that if I could change the outcome, then I would be happy. Then I could deal with the inner problems that were happening, right? Like if I, if, if I could just figure out this external approach to health that changed the way that I looked, then everything inside of me would also be healed. I wouldn't have to deal with it. Unfortunately, that's not the way life works. We cannot continue to live with the external idea that if we can just change our outcome based on standards, based on systems, based on the next best diet, that everything inside of us will also heal. Honestly, this just leads a life of dependence on other things because it's made us believe that we are at the mercy of other ideas, other systems, other people to change how we internally feel, not knowing That is only and always up to us. We are in charge of how we feel. And if we can't learn how to shift that, if we can't learn how to control that and choose that, then we'll always be codependent on something. We're going to talk about codependence in an upcoming podcast because I think it's really fascinating and understanding why so many people are codependent on health. But today, I just want to come back to the story. How do we fully embody a new story? coming home to your body, which comes from an internal approach to health. And that means we have to be less concerned with external ideas and more concerned with internal regulation. This can be difficult because over the course of trying to live for the external ideas and over the course of trying to protect ourselves from the trauma that we may have experienced and never dealt with, What has happened is we've developed these superficial layers or these layers of protection that have prevented us from needing to dig into the heart, to our core, from needing to really understand who we are. They've allowed us to be disassociated from our body, but arguably that's really not living. But it's allowed us to be so distracted that we don't have to notice the dysregulation that we're living with. And over time, 
The lack of recognition of the dysregulation leads to the disassociation. And essentially what disassociation is, is like kind of believing that while you have a body, that's not your body or that you don't love and support that body. So you kind of exist outside of it. You might hide it. You might try to sabotage it. You might hate it. Like there's a lot of ways that we disassociate with our body, but it's essentially saying, I don't like or respect that body. I don't want to be a part of that body. And you're kind of off looking for something new. Again, it's this external approach where we live based on our environment rather than understanding our internal regulation is really what's in control of how we perceive our environment. In a roundabout way, it's like we try to control the things that we absolutely have no control over while neglecting the things that we can control. It leaves us looking for other people and other things to give to us what only we can provide ourselves. And I'll be honest, that is a recipe for disaster. It's like why I uh, fell in love with my husband is arguably not because I was actually in love with him, but because I needed something from him. Of course, I love him and I've learned to fall back in love with him because I love myself, but it's it's like the near enemy of love is that attachment, that codependence. It's like, I love you because I need something from you, not I love you regardless of what you give to me. Like that is true unconditional love, right? Loving regardless of what you give to me, needing nothing in return. That's the place that we want to get where we can love people, where we can interact with people, where we can experience life without constantly looking for it to give back to us. As we talk about brain health and mindset focus, I just want to circle back to magic minds. Because honestly, having a focused brain helps you create so much more body awareness. I think sometimes when we're living life, it's just really us going through the motions and trying to survive And we spend so much time working, I think partially, at least in my own life, because I'm not very productive. And so when I came across Magic Minds, one, I loved the ingredients list. These were ingredients like matcha and lion's mane that I was taking separately, but this comes together in one easy to grab little elixir that boosts your energy and productivity so much. Now, unlike other caffeine shots that people take, this is not the artificial form of energy that I repeatedly tell you doesn't help as much as you think. In fact, excess caffeine is actually lowering your energy output, creating more brain fog and overwhelm. Yes, in the short term, it gives you a little boost and there's nothing wrong with small amounts of caffeine, but it's not as natural as the adaptogens inside Magic Mind that provide the nourishment and nutrient support to help focus your mind. Now, of course, even outside mind focus, this little shot helps with your immune system. It helps beat inflammation. And honestly, it just makes you feel so much better and regulate your pathways so much smoother. I totally stand behind it. It helps so much. And I am honored that they are a sponsor on this summer series. Make sure, if nothing else, you go check them out to learn more at magicmind.com backslash livingwell. If you want to try it out, you can use my code livingwell20 and get up to 50% off your subscription for the next 10 days. Again, that's code livingwell20. And if you don't want to get the subscription, you can get 20% off your one-time purchase to try it out for yourself. The link is only good for the next 10 days. Because anytime we can naturally boost energy, we will always 
feel better. Giving back should be the byproduct of living a life based on fulfilling the needs that you have. And yes, of course, we have the soul aspect. We have a big God. We need to believe in something bigger than ourselves because we're all broken on some level. We're going to talk about that in a future podcast. But ultimately speaking, when we have that vertical drive to be filled by a Savior who's redeeming us, that is essentially us meeting those needs that we can no longer rely on other people to meet. Again, we're going to get into that in a different podcast. But for now, I want to help you understand this external approach to health and how do we come home to our body so that we can start living out of the internal story, shifting that story so that it feels like home. Now, of course, again, trauma often leads us to create these superficial layers that protect our inner core. Now, I'm going to give you a diagram over at The Living Well that's going to show this. Imagine three circles, each getting bigger, that kind of encompass the next. So you have this inner circle, which is your heart or your core. Then you have the next circle, which could be associated with your mind or your beliefs. And then you have the external circle, which is kind of your outcome or your appearance. What a lot of us do is, is that we have been traumatized at our core or at those internal layers. When we're traumatized, we don't often have the wisdom to learn how to get ourselves out of it or how to change the story or how to not let that trauma become our trauma. And instead, we just embody it. Like that becomes part of our embodied story in your physical body. And you start to carry that with you. But it's so painful that in order for you to continue living, you start to build these barriers around that story. You start to create a false reality in some sense that becomes these superficial layers that you live your life distracted and fixated on. And honestly, this is a great survival mechanism. It is something that we need to respect about our body and these unconscious and automatic patterns that leave us doing this. Like as a child or whenever you were traumatized, you did the best that you could to keep yourself alive. A lot of us start to hate that part of us, but I want you to respect it because the only way that you're going to change it is really to start loving it and to acknowledge like, man, you did a good job of keeping me alive. You fought through some hard things and you came out on the other side. We have to start seeing beyond that. Otherwise, we'll continuously get lost in these superficial layers that work to protect the inner fear and the inner pain. And so we have these superficial layers and on the outside that kind of create this like bodyguard that prevents you from being you. It honestly just kind of distracts you from it. It makes you confused by who you even are and it leaves you looking in all of the external things for who you might be. You look for other people to tell you, you look for situations, you um, wait for life to show up for you. It's truly a hopeless way to live because it's so outside your control. And in the process of that, I feel like we constantly have this, this trauma that's trying to come out, this inner you that's really fighting to come out. But because that feels painful, then we look for medicators to numb or to distract, or to force you to run away from what's trying to come out. 
Now, what I think is so cool about the body is, is that no matter how much we try to live on this external world, we always have things that are trying to come out. Like our body is always trying to heal. Its only job is to heal. And I think we're always trying to evolve that story. It's why we have a billion and one self-help books, right? Like we're always trying to find who we really are. And honestly, I remember reading a lot of books and thinking, I have no idea who I am. None of these books are helping me. It's just making me feel like I'm more broken than the next. And it wasn't until I realized that chasing an idea of me was not helping me to find me. It was just distracting me from me. And in the process of that, I think I had to learn how to let some of this stuff out so that I could find me. We have to let the trauma and the pain and the past stories come to the surface so that we can really analyze, is this true? Is this me? Is this beneficial? And our body is so fascinating at wanting to get rid of the things that hurt it that it will constantly bring them to the surface. You'll always relive that pain partially because your body wants to protect you from that, but it also wants to free you from that. But when the pain comes, what we've done is we've learned to use medicators or numbing agents to shove it back down, right? So our logical brain that says, like, I don't like the limbic part of my brain that loves to feel emotions. I'm scared of that. So logically or consciously, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to numb myself from that. So on the outside, not only do we have these superficial layers of protection that protect the outside things from getting in, some people call these like self-sabotage or traps, but we also have things trying to get out. And on the outside now, you have this list of medicators that you run to, sometimes subconsciously, when you experience pain. When something feels hard, you run to a glass of wine. When you feel overwhelmed, you turn to emotional eating, your Ben and Jerry's. When you feel um, isolated or alone, maybe you turn to pornography. On this external shell, we have traps and medicators that really prevent us from doing this work. It's the subconscious or automatic drive to prevent pain, to prevent you from dealing with the trauma that's constantly hurting you. And what I'm here to tell you is, you can deal with that. You have every power within you to deal with the trauma, to deal with the story that is less than your ideal and intended purpose so that you can clean it out and essentially resurrect that story into something new. Now, this kind of comes back to what's considered the U diagram. And the U diagram, I like to think of as like a valley. And when we look at healing... (laughs) What we have to understand is that healing doesn't happen the way we think it should or the way we want it to. Healing is essentially a valley that we have to walk through. It's walking what hurts us, allowing it to die, and moving into kind of the resurrected you. And the woman who created this did this in an analogy of like the resurrection of Christ. At the top of the left side of the you is... The death on the cross, which we have to start with, we have to recognize like something has to die in my story for me to fill it with something new. That's the place that we recognize. This is often the place that we live. We know the story that we tell ourselves. We know our way of life isn't healthy. 
We don't want it anymore. But we don't want to go down into the valley where the real healing happens and up to the other side. We just want the bridge to walk across it. And I get it. I want the bridge too. I want to jump from, I recognize I don't like my way of life. Bam, I'm healed. (laughs) And I'm not saying that can't always happen. Um, The mysteries of God are real. But generally speaking, we have to come down into the death. Like we have to come into the shadow of death to really put it to bed before we can come up on the other side. We have to grieve what's been in order to move forward in what can be. And grief is hard. Grief is painful. It's scary. It's overwhelming. It's not anything in how most of us are raised to experience life, right? In the world, we're told to chase the best, to chase the beautiful, to chase the good feelings, to chase the pleasure, But even in research, what we know is the happiest people are those who experience the most grief, are the happiest people are the ones who have experienced and walked through the most pain. And I think they're happy, not necessarily because of the pain, but because they've allowed themselves to feel the pain that now they can feel the high. And if we just had that bridge to walk to the other side, if we just lived in the status quo, we might escape the pain, but I don't think that we'll ever experience the fullness of the joy and the happiness that is intended on this life. And I was thinking about this and I was kind of thinking about people who, you know, have gone through really hard things and they grieve and they've allowed themselves to grieve and they've almost looked joyful in the process of their grief. And I think from the naked eye, it's, it's easy to look at some people and think, oh, they've never been through anything hard or like they're just happy people. But I think that in the process of that, we diminish the massive internal work that they did to allow themselves to grieve, to allow themselves to feel pain, to allow themselves to feel fear and overwhelm and anger and all of the emotions that we're told are wrong. All emotions are a natural part of being human. None of them are wrong. I think it's the projection of what we do with them that can create the wrong behavior, but feeling them and experiencing them is human. And so I don't want you to diminish them. But what I'm trying to tell you is, is that, yeah, it's hard. It's going to be overwhelming. It's going to take other people who can support you, a lifestyle of support as your body goes through this process. But I think the process becomes I don't want to say the the pain becomes less, but I think you learn to see the joy so much quicker when you recognize how much freedom is on the other side of allowing those emotions to come out. So you have to come to the bottom of the you, which is technically the grief after the death, the grief after the death of the story that you've told yourself, of the trauma that you're letting go of, like It might be something that you've tried to escape for a long time, but there's still a death involved. There's still an ending to the story that you've told yourself, which allows the new beginning. And it's here that a lot of people, again, run away. We open the door to trauma, we start to deal with it, and then we run or we self-sabotage or we start to compare, which pulls ourselves out of the full you, out of coming back up the other side into the state of joy. And we end up right back on the left side of this journey. And that's where I don't want you to go. 
So I think inside of this podcast series, I want to start at the bottom of the U. I want to start in the valley that we all are experiencing. So many of us are holding on to things that are already dead. We're holding on to past expectations, dreams, hopes that are really preventing us from moving forward. And it's not to say that you can't dream, but I think these old dreams that you had that you've tried to relive are just preventing you from actually experiencing the hope and the joy of where your life is supposed to go. And this might be a cheesy example, but something that I think a lot of times is, is people always tell me, well, if I could just get back to my pre-pregnancy weight, if I could just look like I did when I was 20 years younger. And I think this is a good example because it's like having that dream or that expectation that you can go back in time before all of the other things happen that led to this point. We want to escape the past rather than recognizing that we can't change the past, but we can change what we do with it. And and I think those are the things that need to die. The things and the ideas of saying, if I could just go back, it's not about going back. We can't, that's impossible. But it's how do I move forward into something better? And as long as we have our mind fixated on what has been, we'll have a hard time on seeing where we want to go. And if you listen to the podcast on pleasure, then we know that the only way forward is if we can experience and see something better within it. And I think this is what keeps us stuck is that we can't see beyond the pain and the trauma, but we can see before it. But what if you could use that before to create a a picture of what could be? I can't go back to my pre-pregnancy weight. My body will never look like it did pre-pregnancy because I've had kids. That's just part of the process. But I can remember how I felt there, who I was in that moment before kind of the world got a hold of me. And I can use that to create those good things that I am, the, the things that I truly am in my future. It feels ever so slight that you could almost miss it, but it's profound. It feels like, aren't you saying the same thing, that you want to go back there? No, I don't want to go back to who I was there, but I want to re-experience who I truly am from the way that I felt there. And that really comes back to that awareness of who am I? Like, who were you before the world got a hold of you? And how can you start to recognize and appreciate your body? Because your body embodies your story. It's a part of you. It is you. And that's why you have to love it even if you don't always like it. So we have to get beyond these superficial layers and start to create some kind of body awareness that learns and understands how to regulate our dysregulation. Because here's the deal. No healing can happen in dysregulation. And what happens when we live this external life is that we neglect the internal dysregulation. We try to band-aid it rather than regulate it. We try to patch it up or ignore it or to shove it or to run from it instead of actually deal with it. And when we go back to the understanding of energy, right, it's the pendulum of energy. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, You've got to go to thelivingwell.com, take the free energy quiz, because it's going to teach you about the pendulum of energy, which basically says all of life is fighting for a homeostatic balance, including your body. And pushing your body out of balance is going to create change. 
Slight amounts of dysregulation is actually going to help you move forward. But it's when we become so dysregulated or so out of balance that we move our body into this fight, flight, or freeze state where we have the opposite effect that we're going for. And that's, um, we're going to talk about that in the polyvagal theory, the affect regulation, which is going to happen in the next podcast. But really, when we do that, right, when we have this imbalance or this dysregulation, when we live for this external approach, it creates an assault on our body. It makes our body the villain instead of really the hero, like something that is going to help you move forward. And it creates the body war that we will never win. So when it comes back to healing, here's what you need to know. All healing requires safety and it requires safety and harmony in your mind, body, and soul. It requires some level of regulation, even when you push your body into slight forms of dysregulation dysregulation, out of balance, all of those things are a necessary and needed part of life. But it's what you do to support your body and your mind and your soul on the backside that is really going to create the outcome that you're looking for. And when we look at trauma, the things that we store inside of our body, it changes how we approach and see life. So if we really want to move forward into a better story, we have to put to death our old story, and come back to your body. The reason we have to confront it is because the emotions that were created in that story, because all stories contain emotions, emotions are um, a necessary, vital part of being human. They are human, right? Emotions are what run your life and create decisions and all the things. So emotions are a vital part of life. Emotions and feelings are different. Again, we're going to get into that in a later podcast, but these emotions are stored inside the body. It's these physical sensations that you experienced based on the trauma. And when we get into the polyvagal theory, the understanding of neuroception, what it basically is saying is the trauma is stored inside your body as physical sensations. And when your body experiencing a similar sensation, It triggers that that is unsafe, and therefore it shifts the entire body into a stress state. So it's essentially your body stores all this trauma so that when it takes in all of the information of your environment, because even in your unconscious state, your body is capturing so much information based on your senses, it's going to process and filter those through the idea of neuroception, which is going to distinguish whether you're safe or unsafe and therefore change your entire biology and thought patterns to run accordingly. Everything in your biology is done based on the level of threat or safety that you're experiencing because, and the goodness of your body and the goodness of God's design, it wants to protect you from pain. It wants to prevent you from doing something that hurts you twice. It's like once you touch an oven or a hot stove or a curling iron, you know it's hot, right? And you don't want to go back to that. Your body has ways of preventing you from pushing you away from what might hurt you. And it does a really great job of this. But we can't live there forever if we want to grow and experience life because we have to know that life will always hurt us. It's not about what's going to hurt us. It's about our perception and our our reaction 
within that. And that's what we want to start to do is to change the story. And your story creates your outcome because your story carries energy and it changes the flow, changing the facade of how you live. So to truly heal, we have to change the story. And that's what we're going to do throughout this podcast series. Now, there's been one really helpful thing in my healing journey that was like the aha for understanding the old story to create a new one. Not to necessarily say that that old story is not true or it's not valid. Again, we can't change our paths, but we can change the story that was written inside that past. And it has to do with an infinity loop. I have this written out inside the blog post, but we're also going to take a deep dive into the infinity loop inside the weekly fill. If you're not involved in the weekly fill, this is your plug to get signed up. You can do that at thelivingwell.com. Anyways, the infinity loop is this understanding that your life is constantly back and forth and it's revolving around what's inside that loop. The infinity loop is the never-ending patterns, the cycles, and the story that we tend to repeat based on the story. Now, what you put inside that story or inside that loop is generally what your entire life revolves around, whether you like it or not. So for instance, if your story has been built on poverty, um, you might put money inside that loop. If your story was built on alcoholism, that might be inside your loop. It was built on infidelity or depression or anxiety or um, an autoimmune disease or cancer, whatever that trauma is, sexual sin, inside that infinity loop, what often happens is the trauma writes that big word through that infinity loop, and then everything you do tends to be associated or thought based on that. Your relationships are birthed out of that or are created based on what's inside that loop, what you eat, how you live, the environment in which you engage with, your relationships, how you connect with other people, how you live your purpose, what you choose to do, the look of your body. And of course, you can vary from it a little bit, but the idea is that we have this central identity. And if we are not careful, that identity can be built based on the trauma that you want to prevent, the trauma that you hate, the trauma that you've tried to escape. And instead of escaping it, all you're doing is living your life around it. And if we don't choose to rewrite the story or change the outcome of that story, we'll constantly live our life based on that. So when we go back into the U diagram, it says like at the top, this was the word inside that infinity loop. I am ready to put that to death, to grieve that story, to grieve the fact that I had to live with a dad who was depressed, to grieve the fact that maybe you felt like you were abandoned or to grieve the fact that You hated the sexual sin, but it was also the one time in your life where you felt like you were seen, that felt like you got the attention that you were longing for. You put to death the story that has waged a war inside your heart and created the outcome of your life, and then you put something new inside that infinity loop. You put something true inside of it. And as you know, a faith-based believer, obviously that should be like Jesus inside of that God, right? Like the story that he's creating for you. But what you put inside of that loop is your identity. And that identity is what you live out of. 
And if we're not careful, the trauma that we've experienced becomes our identity. And we either mask it and try to band-aid it while also living our life circulating around it because we have to change what's inside that loop. So we're going to work through the affinity loop over at the weekly fill and trying to understand where that story is and what maybe has your life revolved around. Maybe it's been your weight, right? Like maybe it's been the size or the number glaring back at the scale. If we don't change that, we'll always live out of that. And that's why it's so important to create a new story, to create that freedom story that helps you to stop living based on all the things you hate, to re-embody yourself and your story and to shape it into the outcome that you want to create. I really believe that God requires you to participate in your healing. We have to do the work. We have to do something. So as we move forward in this podcast, I want you to start thinking about your old story as in your little self or an uncapitalized self and your new story as in your bigger self or your capitalized self. And we're going to talk a lot about these selves as we talk about reparenting yourself, the polyvagal theory, creating change, all of those things, because life will always have a way of bringing up our little self. Like we're not going to escape the trauma. It's not going to just vanish but it's learning how to nourish that little self, to respect what they went through, to respect what they did to keep you alive. And then also in your wiser knowing self to reparent you into something better. So I want you to start distinguishing when you're acting out of your small self, because it's really important to pay attention because it will help you to understand the story. So today, what I really want you to do is I want you to start thinking about the story that you do tell yourself. Like, what are you living out of? What story do you believe? And also, maybe start to dream about what were you like before the world got a hold of you? Like, who were you before life started to change you? What were you created to be? What in deep inside of you brings you so much joy? So we want to understand the old story, but also start to create a vision of a better story of who you truly were intended to be, of who you are inside this body that you hate. Because the only way that we're going to change that body to get it to a place that you like is through loving your body. And like any parent would tell you, you can love your children while not always liking them. But that doesn't mean you don't love them. And I think so often we just live life hating ourselves But hate and health do not go together. No one in the history of the world hated themselves healthy. You have to love yourself, even if you don't like it. And there is a really big difference. But that means acknowledging your story and coming home to embody who you are. So over at the Weekly Fill, I'm going to leave some questions. I'm also going to drop it in the blog post that goes along with today's podcast. Now, this was a big overview of where we're going. Next week, we're going to get into body mapping, which is going to help us later as we start to talk about your energy field and building a a stronger protection or barrier in your energy field, building that anti-fragile life that we're looking for. So stay tuned. Follow along. Don't quit just because we opened the door. I know it's scary. It's overwhelming. No one wants to go here. It's not sexy. It's not beautiful. It's what the health space avoids because it's not sexy and it doesn't sell. But it's what has to happen if we want to change. And I want to help you change by creating your own freedom story. 
And I promise each week, I'm going to give you a little step and a little exercise that's going to help you get a little bit closer. Now, if we go back to the U diagram, I want you to remember, I'm not like shoving you down into the valley. I'm assuming that a lot of us are already in the valley. Like we recognize we don't like where we are. We don't like the story. We want to change it. We're kind of living in our own misery. And here it's like, I want to help move you back up to that mountain peak, finding more joy and allowing you to live your purpose. You were created on purpose with purpose and this world needs you to live it. And I always think that if we could just get a little bit more confidence, which comes out of just being and owning the real version of you, how much better the world could be we stop living this independent life and we get back to this interdependence where we recognize it's not about competing, but it's about nourishing and needing each other to fully live and experience a life that was created and intended for us. We're going to talk more about that, but I just want you to know I'm super pumped for this podcast series. It's not easy. It's not sexy. It's not perfect, nor is it intended to be but it's all about growing and becoming a better version of you. And this is the work that I did to really get to a place where I feel like I have so much more confidence, where I have body knowledge, where I recognize when life is, when I'm dysregulated and while I'll still get dysregulated, I know how to re-regulate myself. I know how to regain a sense of balance. It's not perfect. I get overwhelmed. I get angry. I get frustrated. I feel like I overeat at times, but I also know that I feel better than I ever have. I feel even better than I did pre-kids, right? And honestly, I respect the way that my body has kept me alive and it's fought through some really hard things to come out the other side. I'm still a work in progress, but I, I promise this work is worth it. Even though you're in the valley, there's hope on the other side. Okay, that is it for today. Don't forget to head to The Living Well to learn more. And also make sure you sign up for the weekly fill to check out more information, tips, and a community where we can work together to support each other on this journey. I believe in you and I know you have great purpose and I wanna help you live that out. Okay, I'll be back here next week as we talk about AFACT regulation, How do you regulate your nervous system? Because that matters and the metric of how your body perceives safety. I'll see you back here then.